0: Welcome to the Cup of Sunshine podcast series. I'm your host, Deb Cup. I was inspired to start this series to bring some positive energy and inspiration, something I think all of us can use in our daily lives. So in my quest to fill your cup of sunshine, I've invited people who I admire to have conversations with me, share lessons, insights that I hope can really benefit all of us. I actually started Cup of Sunshine First as a video series on LinkedIn. So please make sure to check it out on my LinkedIn page for video highlights of my conversations. But here on this podcast, you're going to be able to listen to the full conversations. So thank you so much for tuning in. It's such an honor and a privilege to introduce today's guest, Mallory Wegman, who's a U.S. Paralympian and gold medalist. Mallory's story is one that really inspires me and I know will inspire us all. Her world was turned upside down after becoming paralyzed from a medical procedure at the age of 18. Deciding to return to the pool later, swimming in many regards became her therapy. She went on to compete in three Paralympics. Today, she's a huge advocate for disability rights. She's deeply passionate about changing the perception of disability in our society. Have a listen to our amazing conversation. So Mallory, it is so good to see you again. And you have been very busy since we last chatted. If I'm right, I think you just came back from the 2022 Beijing Winter Paralympic Games, and you were one of the broadcasters.
1: Were you nervous? What was that experience like? You know, it's so crazy because being on that side of things is is a little different for me. I'm used to being the athlete competing. And yeah. so I worked with NBC in 2018, and I was in the mix zone, which was wonderful because I literally got to talk to the athletes right when they finished competition but this time I was actually in studio with them and so totally different role it was really unique because we were actually stateside in stanford but we were working mm-hmm. the beijing shift because that's how they brought everything to the viewers and and it was such a remarkable experience i mean seeing the behind the scenes and seeing how it all comes together and and ultimately doing doing their part and our collective part as a team to to bring these games to viewers it was it was really special to be a part of and to see to see how all of that came together
0: and you were on a crazy sleep schedule, I'm gonna guess for a little while there
1: <laughs> I was it was a little crazy. I got to the point where I did say I was like, you know, I officially think this is maybe a little bit more exhausting than being an athlete at the games. <laughs> like I have a whole new appreciation for what goes into this. It
0: is incredible when you see the behind the scenes of a lot of stuff, you never realize you know it's it's a uh... There's a lot that happens that make these things come together. It's super cool. I'd love to just get your perspective, you know, as, a, as an amazing athlete as you are. I think it's amazing to just know what happens before you compete. So I'm just curious, do you have any psych-up routines? Like, what, what do you go through kind of in your mind as you think about, you know, getting yourself ready to compete? You
1: know, it's interesting. I think it's always somewhat the same. Like right now I'm getting ready for trials for world championships next month. And and while the intensity going in is is a little different because my priorities have kind of been in a few other places, admittedly, right, through my career. But nonetheless, it always feels somewhat the same of just leaning on that preparation. And, you know, sometimes the preparation's a little bit more robust than others, admittedly. Like right now I'm probably more nervous than normal yeah. because... I know I haven't been able to, by choice, put my time in where I normally do, but I think with anything, it's really like going back to to the work that you've put in to get there, right? And so, like sometimes I get a little nervous before I race. And usually, it's more excited nerves, mm-hmm. and and for me, that's where I always anchor back. In is like, okay, I know I did I did the work to put myself in this situation. I know that I have the skill sets to get me through this race. I know I'm ready. I love racing. So that always anchors me before a race when I get behind those blocks. And just having fun with it. I think that's so much of this of when we love what we do, it doesn't necessarily mean everything's gonna go perfect, but it definitely gives us a different level of confidence when we kind of get to those competitive moments for me behind the starting blocks for a race, whatever else it might be for somebody else. I think that is so true.
0: You know, there's if there's passion in what you're doing it changes your outlook and it, it just makes everything, I don't wanna say it's easier, but it's, it's more connected. I don't know what the word is, but there's something about sort of that flutter that you get, but it's a positive one, but it's also pretty inspiring in terms of getting yourself going, which I think is super cool. That's awesome. And you just recently, well, last year, you released a book, Limitless. And you talk about kind of how you take away boundaries that hold you back or hold us back. Anything more
1: you can tell us about the mindset behind the book? You know, for me in Limitless was, it was such a heartfelt project in so many ways, putting putting those words to paper. I, I've i journaled my entire experience. Journaling is a really big part of how I've processed over the years. I often say that I've kind of had two black lines that have led me forward in life. One is the one that trails the bottom of the pool. The other one is the one that trails the pages of my journals, right? Like those are kind of the two places I go to process And so putting Limitless together, it really was a place where I was able to step back and and create a space to honor the journey that I've traveled. And and in that, my goal with writing Limitless was to help readers honor their own as well. And, And I think that there's a lot to be said of, it's not our goal in life to move beyond the things that have occurred, our circumstances, our traumas, our losses, adversities, whatever it might be, It's our goal to find a place to move forward with it and carry those lessons with us into where it is that we're going. And so when I wrote Limitless, that was a really big part of what I wanted to do. And and it was special because I got to go back to those journals and I got to go into the mind of what was 18-year-old me thinking those days after my paralysis laying in the hospital? What was 20-year-old me thinking as I was trying to put myself back out there and go back to school and, and kind of begin building a future for myself again. And, and in that, I really got to explore that in in the pages within the book. And so a lot of Limitless, when, when you look at it, you know, like I tell people all the time, the table of contents, the chapters really are kind of themes and lessons that I was learning in those moments that came directly from my journals. So facing your fears, healing isn't chronological, moving forward, all of these things were were kind of elements that i was grappling with at that time in my life that came to life in those pages and that's what really led the story of limitless and so i think ultimately for me it's it's my my hope that when people finish reading it i i really it's it's not about me i mean i know that sounds yeah. silly it is part of no, my but you know it's about you want your reader to feel reflective in their own journey And, and it's not about, you know, knowing stats of these cool things I've done in my career. It's more so I hope that I was able to share my story in a way that moved other people to honor theirs. I love that.
0: And I, I feel that. I mean, I think it's sort of that, that empowerment almost, I I think, you know, I think when you hear someone else's story, it helps you feel like, okay, now I think about what, what does that mean for me? And how do I put my own path forward? And I like the way you talk about not getting over it necessarily, but figuring out how to move forward with whatever your challenge might be. And I think that's a key kind of shift in thinking for people that sometimes even just reading this will help them hopefully say, you know what, I need to shift my mindset around how I'm, I'm dealing with whatever my challenge might be, which I think is amazing.
1: Curious, did you always journal? Like, did you journal from when you were young? You know, it's interesting. We found journals on and off throughout my early childhood into kind of my teenage years, and and later teenage years, not as consistently as as I did, especially after my paralysis. Yeah, went through a period probably, and I still journal now, but probably not as consistently. I would say journal a couple times a week. We were at mm-hmm. the point where sometimes every day, but early on, the first few years, I was journaling multiple times a day. Like I would open my journals when I went back, and and I never reread them. I mean, your journals aren't something you necessarily go back yeah. to and. Read. And so it was a really kind of self-exploratory journal journey for me as well in writing Limitless because I went back to journals that some pages, let's face it, they had the dried tear marks that you could see on the page, and it's like there are pieces of my soul that that ended up on a page that I never revisited until you know March of 2020 when I pulled them out and and started diving into them. It's so powerful. I just think it's because you don't always remember things the same way. Later.
0: And so I think it's just a neat thing to be able to go back and, and see what you were actually thinking at the time, which is at any particular time. So what inspired you to get back in the pool after your paralysis?
1: You know, I think for me, swimming was I just wanted I wanted a place to go back to that could signify the idea that not everything had changed. You know, when we go through trauma, we go through loss, we go through adversity, it feels as if in that moment, it feels so all-encompassing. It feels like everything around you is different. Everything's changed. Nothing's the same, right? And, and those big emotions that surround you in those moments, they're hard to chip away at. And so for me, swimming was the thing that reminded me that while so much had changed and, and almost everything certainly was different, there were still some things that remained the same. And so, you know, I never thought I would swim after my paralysis. It was kind of on the list of things that naturally I assumed after my injury would be a pastime for me. And so when I was exposed to the Paralympic movement, it opened my eyes, not necessarily to saying like, I'm going to go become a Paralympian, but opened my eyes to saying I could still swim. And I went back to the pool two days after I learned about the movement and just got in because I so deeply wanted a place to be able to just be. I wanted a place where I didn't have to think about how much harder life was now that I was on four wheels, because let's face it, two and a half months after my paralysis, putting on a pair of pants was hard, let alone going from point A to point B, like everything was hard. And I wanted a place where, you know, I knew that everyone around me was grieving too. And in the water, I wasn't treated any different. And And it was kind of my place that I could go and The black line was the black line and the water was the water. And yeah, my body moved a little different and it felt a little different, but it was a place that I could go every day that allowed me to kind of bridge myself to my past because it started to feel like everything in my life was marked by either before January 21st, 2008 or after. And so swimming let me connect to my past while also giving me something to kind of meet me in the moment of where I was at. And, And in all reality, it also was leading me forward to something in my future and and that was really powerful at that time in my life and so you didn't set
0: out to become a paralympian but
1: then you were <laughs>
0: 2012 <laughs> London then to Rio in 2016 Tokyo in 2020 so on the surface i think people would be like whoa like and still whoa no matter what that it's incredible but you know it it might look on the outside and this is something i'm always interested in is Oh, such great success. You know, look at her, all these things she's accomplished, but I'm sure for you, you
1: had to overcome adversity and challenges. I'd love to just hear a little bit about that. Most definitely. And, you know, I think it's interesting because each quad is marked by something different. You know, you look Mm. at that, that four years from 2008 to 2012 going in and it did on the surface. It looked like I was this 18 year old girl who was paralyzed to return to the water And took the world by storm not that long after. I mean, I made our national team 14 months after my injury. And by a year and a half out, I had four world records. Like, I didn't waste much time, right? (laughs) (laughs) But I think what's interesting, I tell people all the time, is, you know, that early journey, that was carved by a lot of pain. That was me hovering a black line every day, fighting over that black line to prove that I wasn't less than because of that moment in time on January 21st, 2008. And it just so happened that my vice after my paralysis was a healthy one and, and led me Mm. to something positive. But nonetheless, like that was my place that I turned to probably obsessively a little bit at the beginning. And it, it was kind of my way of not running, but, but just putting all that hurt and anger into something productive that turned into that. And so Interestingly enough, that early success was carved by a a lot of pain. And in that, though, I I also fell in love with something all over again. And so that journey to London was this really deep self-discovery. It was where I learned how to find my self-confidence again. It was where I learned how to forgive what happened on January 21st. It was where I found the strength of community. It was kind of all these pieces that Built me back up into who I needed to be for my future, and ultimately culminated with me on top of a paralympic podium in London, which was remarkable. but you know, of course, as life is, adversity is not a one and done game for us, and so I came home from london and and I had a permanent injury to my left arm two years after the london games and in May of twenty fourteen uttered the words retirement for the first time and and luckily, anyone who knows how the story goes now, obviously, I didn't retire in May of 2014, but I came pretty close. Yeah. And we fought for that. And I think that's to say that, you know, we in society, we we are going to face adversity. And whether it's fair or not, adversity is extremely universal. It's probably the one thing we can all understand and relate to at a fundamental level, because we've all navigated through it. and And it's going to happen time and time again. And it's, you know, I don't mean to be a pessimist in saying that. I just think it's, it's that's real. the reality. Yeah. And, and it's up to us to ask ourselves, like, in that process, what did we learn and what are we learning about ourselves? So it's kind of that idea of not wasting a pain, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to go through hard things in life, but how can we turn that into something for good and utilize it for purpose as we move forward?
0: So just interesting, as you're talking, you have such... Great self-awareness. Have you always been that way? Like, have you always sort of just understood yourself and, and how things impact you and what things you need to do to process them? Or is that something that's come with time?
1: You know, I would say yes, and. So yes, a bit, but I definitely believe that what I went through when I was 18, what I went through after that, what I've gone through just in my lifetime has heightened that. Yeah. And I think that I say that because I I truly believe that we all have this base inherent strength within all of us. And it's as we navigate through those moments that we learn more and more about ourselves. I don't think those moments fundamentally change us. I think they reveal who we are. And so in that, I I really do think that some of that's probably always existed. You know, hearing stories my parents share of me as a kid, it's like, Oh, yeah, I kind of always was, was a little bit like that. Yeah. But at the same time, that's where I say January 21st, 2008 was a blessing because not many people are forced to find that level of perspective that early in life. And to be able to live my life with that is, you know, it's obviously a work in progress and I'm still learning more about myself every day. But that's something that, you know, at 18 years old, ultimately a really, really dark time gave me a really beautiful blessing in disguise within it.
0: That's awesome. And you, you know, we talk a lot and you talk a lot about community and how important it is to be supported. Allyship is something we talk a lot about at Microsoft and something that I, that's super important to me as well. I'd love if you could talk a little bit about any role models, mentors, you know, who's really supported you in all these journeys?
1: Oh my goodness. So many people. I, None of this is done alone. It never is for anybody. And it's not feasible to be done alone, right? I mean, I think that that's that's the deal here is we have community, we have teammates, we have coaches, colleagues, mentors, you name it. And and they're around us for a reason. And so, and we're around them too, right? It's it's a two-way street. It's not just, well, I have this great community. I in return need to be that for my community as well. And I think that that's where I've just been so fortunate from early on having parents who, you know, they went through this moment with me. My dad was literally holding my hand when I was paralyzed. He was right there. But then afterwards, while they were grieving, they never put their grief on me. They gave me space to grow into where it was that I needed to go. And they processed their grief separate from me. And that was probably the biggest gift my parents gave me early on. And then you trickle that into, you know, my first coach coming back and, and what he gave me and my teammates. And now here at this point in my career, the mentors that I'm so fortunate to have throughout. And so I think that, you know, it's interesting. We kind of always want to know, like, where do people get inspiration from? And I always say that for me, it's getting a little bit from here and a little bit from there from the people that I'm surrounded by on a daily basis, they're my inspiration. They're my motivation. They're the people that lift me up, that that challenge me to be a better version of myself, that keep me true to who I am. When, you know, maybe I'm a little overwhelmed or maybe yeah. I'm kind of I'm spinning out a bit. And, mm-hmm. and that goes to the notion of we're only as good as the people we surround ourselves with.
0: Couldn't agree more. I love that. I also love that you you're really paying it forward. You've been such a leader outside of the pool, focusing on disability rights. You've been a huge advocate changing the perception of disability in our society. I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that.
1: You know, it's it's so timely, Deb. When I was with NBC and their studios in Stanford the past few weeks, I kind of had a moment where I, I got extremely emotional <laughs> because there was this, this element of, I was working with my producer, I was doing some kind of rehearsals we were off camera knowing I was going to take over as host for a few days uh-huh. overnight to give the host Ahmed a little bit of reprieve during those uh-huh. long hours. And so it's a big moment for me, you know, right? Hosting on USA Network, like, it was like, <laughs> this was a big moment. So we're, we're practicing and in that we did, we did a tape and it was kind of like this element of, you hear people joke, like, I don't know what to do with my hands, right? <laughs> when we're talking, everyone's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. and so sitting in a chair, I said, you know, on, on film, you look a lot more stagnant than you do in person if you don't have movements. Yep. And so I said, you know, it's weird because I just feel so stiff. Like I can't utilize body weight to shift. I can't do this. Mm. And long and short, where the story goes is he kind of said to me, he was in my IFB in my ear and he said, you know, Mal, you're going to create the mold because we don't have anybody for you to look to to see how did so and so do it? What's their thing? Like you can look to. We had Mike Trico with us earlier in the week, and I was picking his brain, and I was picking Ahmed's brain. I can pick their brains all day long, but they stand. They don't sit. Right. They're right. not on foreheads. And it was just kind of that moment of, you know, representation is so important, and it is so hard to become what you cannot see, and and there's so much truth to that, and. It was emotional because 18-year-old me yearned for that. I yearned to see a path forward. I yearned to see a strong female who happened to have a disability in these places in society that I wanted to go in my future. And I really didn't. And and in my time there, I, I had women reach out. I had a young woman tweet at me and say, I'm studying journalism. I live with paralysis. And until today, I've never seen a path forward for me. And it's like you have those moments and it's just that reminder of like the little simple choices that we make, the fight that we put in, it matters because you never know who's watching you. You never know what path forward you're carving for somebody who's going to follow you and what door you're possibly opening. And, and I think that's where in, in all facets, representation is so important because it changes our perception of possibility at the end of the day, that's really what it does.
0: Couldn't agree. You are such an inspiration, by the way. It's like, you're giving me chills. And this is this is why we do this, by the way. This is why I do Cup of Sunshine, because I just, I believe so strongly in what you're saying about representation and so strongly in knowing that people have an opportunity to see greatness that shows up in many, many different ways. And that's so inspiring. So I just, I thank you for that story because I think it's so Pertinent right now. I think it's so telling. And I think it's amazing that you are leading the charge. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you've shared with us today. One thing that, that I love to do with my guests is I ask them the same three questions in every series. And I'd love to ask you as well. And the first one is what is an important
1: lesson you've learned in the past year? Ooh, the last year. These are the tough questions. Important lesson <laughs> learned in the last year yep. is to be unapologetic put yourself out there. Believe in yourself and believe in your worth, right? We always say it's important to show up for other people. It's really important to show up for ourselves too. Love it. What always makes you laugh? <laughs> Probably either something my husband has said or something my dog has done, because let's face it, they're two two big men in my life.
0: <laughs> Ditto. That's, a, that, that's always my answer. My husband makes me laugh all the time and my dog is a nut. So it's <laughs>
1: right there with you.
0: One, what would you say important aspect or ingredient in leadership, whether that's you or
1: somebody else, just something you think is really critical in leadership? Empathy. Empathy, I think, is so important. Leading with empathy is something that is said a lot. I think it's, in practice, very hard to do because it requires a lot of self-awareness and a lot of humility. (laughs) But I think that's probably one of the most important traits. I couldn't agree more.
0: Mallory, I can't thank you enough. This was awesome. I could talk to you all day. I just think you're a huge inspiration. I want to thank you for everything you're doing. It's just a pleasure and a privilege to get a chance to talk to you. So thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I talk a lot about grit and resilience, it's something that really speaks to me. And this is all, Mallory, the grit, the resilience, not to mention the level of self awareness I thought was really impressive. I was really inspired by her, and I hope you really are too. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the show. If you're not yet a subscriber, please subscribe where you get your podcasts. I'm Deb Cup, and you've been listening to Cup of Sunshine.